This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigobon. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Naz, how are you this morning? Don't seem to have Naz on the air. Uh, Brandon? Um, Naz, do we have you? I think so. I hope so. Okay. Thanks, Naz. Uh, I was kind of getting worried. I know, I know I'm accused of talking too much, but it's been pretty tough for me to talk for the entire hour by myself. <laughs> I'm happy to have you, Naz. Uh, my, my blood pressure just went down. Thanks. Uh, always great to hear your voice. No uh, j- just so our listeners know, Naz and I have been, we haven't been in studio since March, 2020. And, uh, we both do these, uh, shows remotely out of the comfort of our, of our homes and, uh, Sometimes the cell signals aren't the aren't the best, and sometimes we have technical difficulties. And uh, but by and large, Brandon, our producer, has done a fantastic job for us over the last year and a half. And uh, so we're rare to go here, Naz. Uh, it's going to be an interesting day for the Blue Jays. Just to let our listeners know what we got up today, the uh, Leafs are uh, the NHL's getting in the swing of things. And uh, certainly we got the ultimate Leafs fan, Mike Wilson, who's going to talk some hockey, maybe some little, a little bit of baseball. And later on in the hour, an interesting one, Naz. Uh, let, me, let me throw a rhetorical question at you, Naz. Uh, yeah. Wh- who's the, which is the hottest hockey team on the planet right now? Let me throw that one at you. The hottest hockey team on the planet? Yeah, it's a rhetorical question. Uh, we'll be talking. <laughs> I'll, I'll put you. Uh, uh, it's probably an unfair question to you, Naz, but uh, the hottest hockey team on the planet right now is the Danbury Trashers. They're, they are the subject. That's what of I was going to say. Well, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I beat you to the punch, Naz. Uh, we we've got the uh, Danbury Trashers are the subject of a documentary on Netflix on the series Untold Crime and Penalties. We're thrilled to have on this morning the main character in the whole story, Anthony A.J. Galante. That certainly should be a lot of fun. Naz, mathematics is as follows, as I understand it. The Blue Jays need to win today, and either the Red Sox or the Yankees have to lose. Otherwise, the Jays' season is over today. If the Jays win and either the Red Sox or the Yankees lose and the Seattle Mariners are still in the thick of it, depending on what they do today, they're in the same boat as the Jays, uh, we may get a playoff game to get to the wild card. Uh, I got all that right, Naz. What's going to happen today? Correct. That's exactly what's going to happen. I think we're in trouble, Wally. I think the Jays are in trouble. Even though they're going to win 91 games, Boston and New York, I think I have the advantage, and I don't want it to happen, but I think the Jays are going to be out. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we certainly in Jays land, we've all got our fingers crossed. Uh, we're hoping for the best. Uh, I think the Jays are going to do their part today. Uh, Tampa's been pretty nasty with, uh, with, the, with the Yankees uh, in that series, especially yesterday. So hopefully, hopefully there's some... Uh, there's some uh, uh, bad blood between Tampa and the Yankees. That Tampa wants to knock the Yankees out or force them to play a little bit. I mean, I think Tampa would love for uh, to force uh, force the Yankees, Sox, or Jays to play some extra games. Uh, why not? Because they're ultimately going to have to play, presumably, uh, presumably one of them. So uh, we'd like to see that. I'm not so sure. Boston and the Nationals. Uh, Nationals. Uh, uh, you know they were uh, didn't do you know they held in against the Sox yesterday until the ninth inning. Then the then the Sox exploded in the ninth inning for four runs. So um, I'm not so sure what the results there are going to be. But uh, uh, don't give up the faith, Ness. Uh, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, because of that series we had with the Yankees, uh, everything uh, the Jays were in control of their fate and then gave up control 
and we need we need the Washington Nationals or we need Tampa Bay to uh, help us out today. I've uh, I, I got a feeling one of them, one of the, maybe the Tampa game. I, I I'm not uh, I'm I'm kind of seeing uh, and I see I think Seattle's going to win. Um, I'm kind of seeing that uh, th- this may end up as uh, uh, you know three or I, I don't know if the four way playoff is still possible. I guess it is. Yeah, it is still if, possible. If, they, if they if they both lose, and I, Seattle yeah. is going to win. It's the four way tie. Yeah, I, I sort of see Boston winning and perhaps the Yankees losing. So maybe it's going to be a three way playoff, and we'll we'll see how that unravels. Uh, I, don't, I don't know <laughs> exactly how that works, well, but. Sorry? Here's what Blue Jay fans want. They want the Yankees to lose, the Jays to win, and they play an elimination game right at Rogers Center on Monday against the New York Yankees. Wouldn't that be fitting? Yeah, it would certainly, it would certainly be incredible. Uh, it would certainly, that would be a lot of fun. Anyways, uh, we took an earlier break. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour this morning a good friend of the show. Uh, of course, uh, the ultimate Leafs fan who wrote the book, The Ultimate Road Trip, Mike Wilson. Good morning, Mike. How are you this morning? Well, uh, good morning, guys. Uh, pretty exci- exciting times in uh, the sports world for us in Toronto. It certainly is. Mike, we haven't chatted with you for a while, and uh, you've always been uh, generous with your time with us over the years. We've always, we've always, we've always uh, been uh, pleased to have you on the show to share your passion for hockey and for the Leafs and for Notre Dame football and for the Blue Jays. Um, and uh, just to let our listeners know, your, your podcast is still going strong. Tell us with Rick Vibe. Tell us all about that. And I yeah, know your I, mean, I know your book's still going strong. Well, we've uh, you know the book actually had a little bit of a hiccup with uh, the COVID, like everybody else. So we're back uh, out marketing again. Deb and I are going to make an appearance with um, uh, Darcy Tucker in Markham, uh, October fourteenth. Uh, so we're going to try and get out and do some uh, promotion of the book. Uh, you can still it's still available. As you know, they're in the business to print books, so we can still get them. So. Uh, come and look for us up at uh, the Duchess and Mark coming October 14th. We'll be there uh, selling books and guys to be there with uh, Molson's on the viewing night. Uh, our podcast with Rick Vibe, Squid and the Ultimate Leafs fan, going strong. We've had some fantastic guests. Uh, we just had Stuart Gavin on this week and share some great insights into the finance world of uh, sports, particularly from the NHL players who, after retired, started his own management business. We've done 66 shows. Uh, you can find us on YouTube or Squid and the Ultimate Leafs fan. We do a little 15-minute blurb uh, every Wednesday on Facebook Live, talking Maple Leafs. Uh, Rick gives some insights as a player. We do offer our opinions on what's happening with the Leafs and what will happen up and coming, hopefully, for the Toronto team and fans. Uh, and so things are all great, and we're having lots of fun doing it. So look for us, Squid and the Ultimate Leafs fan. It's on uh, YouTube, or just find us on our uh, channel. Uh, Mike, before we get to the Leafs, we uh, the season's uh, heating up. Um, Jays, what's going to happen today, and uh, are they going to get past today, Mike? And I, if- well, you know, it's funny. The parallels between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Blue, Toronto Blue Jays are, are really very similar in the way if you look at this team. First off, if you would said somebody back in March that the Toronto Blazers would have four guys with 100 RBIs, you would have a kid from Markham, come out of the pen and have 23 straight saves. You'd bring some kid up from A-ball that would have nine wins and throw a 10-strike one-hitter on the second-last game of the year. A Cy Young winner or second-place finisher, same at the MVP award, you'd say that team's a lock for the playoffs. Well, guess what? It's coming right down to this to the day. Uh, I think they're going to win today. Uh, they seem to be back on track again. They had their little moments like the Maple Leafs where you know, the young kids, I think, started squeezing the bats a little bit too tight. They seem to relax a little bit. Uh, the key to the whole lineup, and unfortunately he's missed half the season, you, you always want to look back at those little moments with George Springer missing most of half the season. When he's going, the team goes. And if he can get off to a good start like he has the last two nights, I don't see any problem with them winning today. Uh, we need some help. Washington almost helped yesterday, but Boston rallied on top of the ninth. But, you know, but, uh, hopefully the base of baseball gods are looking down upon us favorably today and we get some help. Certainly hope so, Nets. 91 wins, Mike, and they might be out. That's craziness. It sure is. That's the world of sports today. And I'll tell you what, if you look back, think about some of those games in midseason when Toronto was coughing up some of those leads late in games. 
that they wouldn't you like to have a few of those back? But I mean, every team has that certain situation. But it shows you what a fine line it is. And the point I was trying to make at the beginning, well, there's like Toronto, and hopefully the kids east of the dome are paying attention to what's going on with the Blue Jays. That it's not necessarily the talent that wins all the time. You need intangibles, and those intangibles are what take you to that next level. And we're seeing that firsthand with teams like Tampa. And look at the way the Yankees were performing before they ran into a hot Tampa team this weekend. Ray, you frightens me, though, starting today. Yeah, he really scares me because all you want to, but you know what? I, I think the leash on him would be very short today, yeah. uh, obviously, because it's, uh, as everybody knows, it's a must win situation. So he's, if he shows any signs of uh, coughing up some, you know, easy softballs, he'll be out. Yeah, I, I would think so. And I, I think the comments have already made me, everybody's available today. That's, yeah, I, I guess that's the bottom line. And, uh, at the end of the day, Leafs, you know, Leafs, the Jays got to win this with their bats as well. They can't, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd hate to see this be a 2-1 game. I, you know, I see the Jays smoking the bats today uh, to take a little bit of the pressure off. Anyways, uh, we'd be remiss, Mike, if we didn't take advantage. Uh, we have on the show the ultimate Leafs fans, and we don't talk about the Leafs. And uh, we want to start talking about the Leafs. They're such a big part of our show. We haven't really talked about them all that yeah. much. Uh, since we went back on the air a few weeks back. Uh, but I guess things will start getting exciting uh, again in Toronto. But I'm getting a sense out there, Mike, from a lot of hardcore Leafs fans that they're uh, they're sort of uh, sitting back and uh, saying, okay, let's see. There's still, there's still, I don't know if I want to use the term bitterness or uh, from how the last season ended. Maybe that's perhaps the wrong word. Uh, I'd... Uh, but there's still a bad taste left over from how last year finished. Um, so I, I, I'm sure people, Leafs fans will get back into it, but we're somewhat guarded this year, aren't we, Aren't we, Mike? Well, here's the thing. Us Maple Leaf fans are very forgiving, and everybody's been very hard on them in the offseason. And, and speaking like a Maple Leaf fan, you know, Austin will have a couple goals right off the bat, and Mitch will get four or five points, and then all will be forgiven. And that's from the Leafs' standpoint. And we always have that optimistic view that it can win any time, even when they had no chance to win. We all always think they can win. From the hockey perspective, though, and looking at it with sort of neutral eyes, this team is probably far from winning than they were from last year at this point in time. Secondly, the kids now have been the darling of the city for the last five years, well, six years, and could do no wrong. In the eyes of most of the hockey world now, the pressure's on them now looking at them from the standpoint. You just touched on it where whatever you do in a regular season doesn't mean anything anymore. It's what you do starting April 1st. So that pressure that they're going to have they've never experienced before is going to be interesting to see how they deal with that. And that, in one sense of itself, could really make them that much stronger of a team and much more of a force moving forward. So that's the positive. But it's going to be interesting to see how everybody, including the coach, responds to this. And everybody, everybody knows that the team, you know, you have a little bit of a problem in goal, I think. The defense is a little bit questionable. Uh, you know, Sandine's going to have to step up. People I've talked to in the hockey world don't think Lily Grant's good enough to play in the National Hockey League. They don't think Sandine can be a top-four player. But we'll see. It's up to these guys to prove them wrong, and they're going to be given every opportunity. The Pete guys in and PTOs, I think Kyle Dubas has done a tremendous job bringing these guys in. He's brought in much better players than he brought in last year. Uh, the preseason, I think, is a waste of time because, you know, you really don't get a true look at what these players can really do. And they better have a pretty good idea what some of these guys can do. You know that Richie's going to play. You're not paying him $2.5 million a year. No question. Sit and play fourth line. So uh, you, know, you can get a good, good jobs out of camp. You can get Bunting to step up and play the game that they want him to play. They have a chance. But, as I said, it's a whole different set of pressures coming at this team this year. The most yes, talented but, player coming back is Josh Hosang on the – on the tryout. Well, there's Puck, a kid. The Puck I, seems to follow him, Mike, and players that, that do that are very good. Uh, well, got, that was going to be my next point. Him. I was going to say, what you need is, normally when you're on PTOs or guys you bring in for tryouts like this, they rarely work. Uh, it, I, you think back to how many over the years, maybe, and Thomas Campbell was a pick, but he's one of the few guys you could ever say that ever really came in and went through the preseason and made the team. Gary Lehman, on the other hand, was told at the end of training camp that you were the best player in camp. They sent him back to junior. And the last guy I can think of, you know, really, if, if, if you go through it all, there's really not a whole heck of a lot of guys who have really stepped up. Now, Hosang, 
who has an abundance of ability and is really skillful. And this kid really does have it, but he lost his way a few years ago with the honors and coming out of his last years of junior. If he, he'll start the year probably at the Marlies, but if he can go down there, put up some strong numbers and strengthen his game, he could be that surprise you're looking for. And again, with a tight cap, you need to find guys like that. They have to come through. So hopefully, you know, Kyle's put the competition at that level and at the leap level to get the most out of these guys. And he's one I, I think that could be a surprise. Well, let's look at um, let's look at some of the additions and some of the subtractions. Sure. Um, this kid, Michael Bunting, yep. um, can't say that I knew anything about him before other than he's been a career minor leaguer. He's 26 years old and still, if he plays, he will qualify to 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 win the Calder Trophy, so yeah. he has he hasn't found the easy way to the NHL. But all the reports I'm hearing is that he's slotted to start the season with the uh, with the Leafs, especially after his performance the other night. He's a bit of a greasy player, yeah. uh, which which is something that's in uh, certainly needed by the Toronto Maple Leafs. So let's go around the horn a little bit, Mike, and talk about some of the players that appear to be in the starting lineup. There's Bunting. We, we just touched on Richie. Uh, this uh, David Kampf. David Kampf. I know very little about him. Then there's he's the kid they brought in from Chicago, uh, and he's going to yeah. play. He, he's going to play. Let's talk about Bunting, and then uh, you, you, I, and Naz will go around the horn here with some of the other guys that may be in the opening day lineup. Start off with Bunting, Mike. Uh, well, Bunting's going to play Tavares. I mean, I think the thing is, is that he's going to get a shot to play there uh, because. You know, Johnny is getting on, you know, he's getting older and he's got that age, that disease that all of us uh, suffer from on a daily basis, A-G-E. So he needs some help because, you know, you're not going to get that physical help from Nylander. So you need somebody on the other side. And Bunting, I know, speaking to a couple of my, I know I spoke to Rick Talkett who had him in Arizona, and he really liked his game and he thought he was an up-and-comer. And so he didn't get a chance to instead to really play. He's going to get a chance to show his medal. And I think he's going to step up and he, playing with Johnny Tavares, he's going to see the puck. And even with Nyland, you're going to have somebody that can score. So he's going to get an ample opportunity to play there. So I suspect he's going to get a shot there. And, you know, we touched on Richie and Kemp. And the other guy I don't forget about is Case. Case, uh, Case yeah. as he actually likes to be called. Yeah. He's another 20-goal scorer, but he's got injury problems with concussions. If he can stay healthy and play, he can be a surprise that, that they could really get a lot out of also. So watch for him, too. Nas. Mikheyev, is he the guy that uh, is going to score zero goals again this year with a million <laughs> well, chances and do well, something for the team? His agents to Junaz, his agents to go down to home hardware and buy a chisel and a hammer <laughs> and, and knock the cement off his hands. Because, uh, <laughs> well, no, the number one thing about him, though, is this, is that, like, he's got all the ability in the world, but let's face it, guys, anybody can check. Anybody. You can teach anybody to check and be a defensive guy. Offense is what it comes with skill and talent, and you're either blessed with it or you're not. He has got everything else except he can't score. So him making those comments earlier in the season about wanting to be moved, he wanted to get moved because his contract's up this year, and he knows he can't play top six where he's, where he's playing right now. So unless he starts scoring, he's not going to see the ice. But the least aren't stupid. If he starts putting the puck in that, he'll play. So score, shut up, go play, start scoring, and you'll play. Uh, certainly uh, we'll have a look at that. Let's talk about the goaltending. Uh, yeah. Mike, um, you know, Freddie Anderson, the, I wouldn't call him much maligned, but he took his fair share of criticism in Toronto, and he's yep. no longer a Leaf. Yep. And uh, we basically traded him for the Marizic. Um, what uh, is, are we, did the Leafs tread water here? Are we taking a step back or are we taking a step forward? Well, they, let's put it this way. Uh, you know, you don't want to criticize the guys, criticize the guys too much. But think about this. Think about never mind the two final goalies in the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. Look at the final four. Do any of those two in Toronto replace one of those four? So there's where you have to take your look at where they are as far as goaltending goes. Do they have enough to get to the playoffs? Yeah, I think so. Do they have to go deep in the playoffs with those two? No, I don't think so. And I think it all starts with the guy standing in front of them on the blue line. And that's where the real critical thing's going to be. I mean, obviously, the number one goal in, in hockey is keep the puck out of your net and score one more than the other guy. And if they can't do that, they're not going far. But as I said already, without repeating myself, I, you know, I think those guys have got enough to carry the team through the season. Maybe you do get lucky, and maybe one of them comes, steps up, and 
you know, pulls, uh, you know, one of those things right out of his hat and, and has an unbelievable playoff. But I, I'm really suspect on the goaltending. Yeah. Nez, I've, I've, I've been, uh, I, we've been critical of the Leafs' defense for years. Um, we lost Zach Bogosian, who I thought was a valuable member, a valuable member of the Leafs' defense yeah. last year. TJ Brody was uh, was a revelation. I thought he was their best defenseman last year. But the Leafs' defense is, I, I don't see how you look at it and say they're better than last year. You, I only look at it and think they're worse than last year. I, I, I don't see any improvement there. Is that still going to be the Achilles heel of this team now? No, the defense is fine. There's nothing wrong with the defense. Unless the, their top overall defenseman was not Morgan Riley, it's Jake Muzzin, is out of the lineup. He has so much, he has so much sandpaper to the back of the D that uh, he's the important part, and he's got to stay injury free because it's not going to be easy to make the playoffs this year. Uh, Mike, do you agree with Naz's assessment? Are we good enough on the back end? They're good enough in the back end to get there. I don't know how far they are to go any with any depth on that with that defense. They got to get better. Like the four. The four to six have to be my well five six seven have to be, I think a little bit better. But here's an opportunity for Travis Dermott to step up, and if if he's going to play in the National Hockey League, he's going to ample opportunity this year. Same with Lilligrand. Lilligrand's getting an opportunity. The little bit I see his game, yeah, there, you know, there's sparks of uh, you know greatness there, but I I don't know. It's a big risk, and especially I mean, if we had Vasilevsky and net behind him, okay, fine, great chance, okay, yeah. but. You know, it's it's really coin toss, and I'll tell you that you know we're going to be sitting here with our fingers crossed and holding our breath a lot as the season goes along. Let me tell you that. Anyways, we're uh, we're going to go, go around last uh, last minute uh, here with you, Mike. I want to go around the horn. Um, we're getting into it. It's going to get the, you know leaps, as you say. Hope springs eternal, and uh, a lot of Leaf fans waiting to jump back on the bandwagon. Although I think they're going to be careful before they before they take the leap of faith this year. But Mike, you know we're not in the Canadian division anymore. You don't look around, and uh, you know you're back in with the, with Tampa and Boston and some other tough teams. So where do you see the Leafs uh, uh, ending up this year? First of all, in uh, in the standings, are they going to make the playoffs? And how far deep will they go? Let's start that debate now. Go ahead, Mike. Well, you know, anytime I'm before, you know, I don't make those type of predictions, but I can tell you this that, you know, Tampa, who's the, you know, obviously the, the, the repeating champion, so they have to be the one to beat. They've got a big hole in their lineup that they lost with uh, losing that third line, which was probably one of the best third lines we've seen in years. Uh, Boston, they're getting older too. They suffer that same disease that, uh, you know, Tavares and a lot of these other guys are having. They have to be slowing somewhat, and they've got a question mark in that themselves. Uh, you know, you know, teams like uh, Ottawa, I think, are up and coming. They may be still a step away, but they're going to be a handful for everybody. The team in the division you've got to keep your eyes open for is Florida. They seem to be getting better, and they were just at that point last year, and if Eckland hadn't got hurt, they would have been maybe a real threat going into the playoffs. Uh, and you always have the body. I mean, Buffalo's not going to be anywhere. Detroit's a bit up and coming. So it's going to be a battle. Montreal, they've lost some holes also, but they've replaced them with a few Band-Aid-type players, it looks like. I, you know, there's lots of question marks in the group. Does Toronto have enough to win to get there? Sure, they do. But you know what? The way the playoffs have gone, I know this is going to sound like a cop-out. All you have to do is qualify, and then anything can happen. And that, to me, I think is going to be the goal. It's just It's the stupidest cliche in history and sports and all that, but one day at a time, just win every game. Just make sure you get enough to get in the playoffs and then see what happens from there. Because, you know, you're an injury, a goal, a shot, a one off the skate, anything. But look at last year, one one goes off the skate, off a butt, off a stick somewhere. Toronto wins in game five. Yeah, There's no talking about the Leafs all summer. They're, they maybe beat Winnipeg and go on to, to Vegas. That's how close it was. So, you know, as far as Toronto, will they get in the playoffs? Yes, I'll give you that much. I think they get in the playoffs. They have enough to get there. They've got lots to prove, and I think the players are really motivated. And you've got enough guys coming into this club that are motivated to play better, if not even here, somewhere else. So I think that alone, as I mentioned before, I think Kyle's done a really good job on that front. Naz? Yeah, I think the Leafs will make the playoffs, and Montreal will not. Montreal will probably finish dead last in their division. They're going to lose. They don't have a carry price at the beginning of the year. They've lost a few guys. I think the Leafs get in there probably with a fourth spot, and hopefully they do well. 
And it's yeah, too bad I, they didn't throw the Zamboni driver in Carolina <laughs> to even things out on that trade of the two goalies. <laughs> Anyways, we got to wrap up this segment of the show. I'll uh, I'll, I'll go out on a dare. Um, yeah, I, I, it'd be impossible for me to come on here and say that uh, I don't think the Leafs are going to make the uh, won't make the playoffs. I think they're going to finish fifth to seventh, uh, somewhere in there. Uh, I think and hope, uh, maybe this is more of a hope than a, than a prediction, uh, they get past the first round. If they get past the first round and they get a hot goalie, anything can happen. So good luck. will certainly be the focus of our show on quite a few shows on a go-forward basis. It's always a pleasure to have on our show the Ultimate Leafs fan, Mike Wilson. Mike, keep going strong on that podcast, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll be selling a lot of your books uh a lot of your books this fall. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Mike Wilson. See you, Mike. Anyway, yeah, see you, Naz. Uh, that was Mike Wilson. We're going to go to break. And after the break, uh, the story is on Netflix. It's one of the hottest documentaries in the world right now. It's called Untold Crime and Penalties. It's the story of the Danbury Trashers. When they say truth is stranger than fiction... This may be what they were talking about. Uh, the only way of portraying this story, it's the WWE meets Slapshot meets The Sopranos. It's an incredible story. Uh, 2004, the Danbury Trashers took over the United Hockey League. And it's the story of their 17-year-old president at the time and his family, who were in the waste management business, Anthony A.J. Galante. He's one of the hottest tickets in uh, in the world right now for interviews and he'll be right back with us right after the break we'll be right back it was a rainy day when pizzaville realized we all have things we should cut back on for me half brother rayul that's ordering inflatable toys for others it's carbs so pizzaville made the extra thin crust pizza you get the same authentic italian taste as our regular pizza but with two-thirds less carbs because the last thing Raul wants is an inflatable waist. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. He is only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. You won't remember that Real Space Media was once Real Tours Media. What you'll never forget is how they helped you, the real estate agent, sell homes. Or you, the business owner, show off your four walls. Real Space Media has made a name for itself, creating virtual tours and walkthrough floor plans using 3D technology that's light years ahead. In the age of COVID, what better way to see a space safely than through the digital lens of, what were they called again? Realspacemedia.ca. Got a space to showcase? Check out Real Space. Last minute of play in the game. Unlike sports, the outcome of palliative care isn't determined in the dying seconds. Physically, socially, and spiritually, palliative care is giving someone the best quality of life for however long life remains, while supporting their loved ones. All services are free of charge with partial government funding. The need for palliative care is great. Making an impact is the newly opened Hospice Vaughn Mario and Nick Cordellucci Hospice Palliative Care Center of Excellence. A truly amazing 10-bed residence, the first palliative care hub in Vaughn. If you share the belief that everyone deserves to live until they die, get involved. Volunteer your time or donate to hospicevaughn.com. We are for community, by community. And together, we are here to serve. 
There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on AM 740, also on 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto, and live streaming on the internet all over the world, www.zoomerradio.ca. About three weeks ago, my son and my son-in-law said there's this great new show on Netflix. It's a documentary, and it's about the Danbury Trashers. I said, who? The Danbury Trashers. So lo and behold, they were so thrilled about the show, I went and watched it. And for an hour and a half on Netflix, it's one of the hottest sports properties in the world right now. I was struck by this incredible story. And the only way I've been able to describe it to people when they want to watch it, it's the WWE meets the WWE meets Slapshot meets the Sopranos. It's a compelling story. The chief protagonist, or one of the chief protagonists in the story, is Anthony A.J. Galante. He was 17 years old at the time when his father bought a franchise in the United Hockey League. And it's just the most amazing story. We're thrilled to have on the Nazawoli Sports Hour, Anthony A.J. Galanti himself. A.J., good morning. How are you this morning? Hey, good morning, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Anthony, um, I watched the show just to let our listeners know. We'll get into what the, what the documentary is all about. It's on Netflix. It's one of the most popular shows on Netflix right now. It's all over the world. It's about the Danbury Trashers. Your father bought a franchise. You were 17 years old in high school. And if I'm trying to paint a picture, you were a typical 17-year-old at the time in Danbury, Connecticut. Yeah. Uh, perhaps not even typical. You you know, uh, you had you had the gold chains and you had the baggy pants, and uh, you were the you were not the figure or the image of somebody who would be running a professional sports franchise. And then you got thrust of it. And then after it was two years of a ride that I'm telling my listeners, telling our listeners, you got to watch it. AJ, uh, the day your dad called you and said, son, we bought a hockey franchise. You're going to run it. Tell us, tell us your reaction. Well, I think, um, I, I think my reaction was basically what most people think what most people's reaction was when they heard about it, it was just total disbelief. Um, you know, it was, to be honest with you, I, like I've said, I, I really, I thought it was a joke at first. You know, I thought he was just playing around with me a little bit, but, um, when, you know, it got real very fast for me and for us. And, uh, it was just totally surreal. And, um, you know, just, just, you know, there's no right, right word to describe. It, it was just, totally crazy is it uh, before I, uh, before i turn over to naz uh, i want to get this question it's uh when you had taken over the team uh you know the parallels to to paul newman and slapshot uh in all all you know slapshot out in the mid 70s almost eight, every canadian hockey fan uh, male guy watched slapshot that was almost the embodiment of what hockey was in the 70s. It was the big, the Broad Street bullies, the big bad mm -hmm. ruins. When you took over the Danbury Trashers, were you even aware of Slapshot? And had you seen the movie? And what, did you even think about the parallels between what you ended up developing in Danbury and that movie Slapshot? Well, people don't, people don't believe me, but you know, especially at the time, I mean, I heard of the movie, obviously I knew it, what it was about, but honestly, I never even really watched the movie. So a lot of people don't believe me because they, they just think that we kind of just, um, really modeled the team after, after that movie. But you know, that, that definitely wasn't the case. I think, um, obviously as I got older, I, I have watched the movie and I, I see, like you say, uh, so many parallels to it. But definitely no. At seventeen, at the time, um, I hadn't really watched it, and um, yeah, it's just a total, total coincidence, I guess. Ness, AJ, how did you find out about owning the team? 
Well, you know, my my we were at dinner one night in my house, and um, my my dad just kind of nonchalantly and and real casually said that he he was going to start a team here, and um, you know, at the time I think it was March of two thousand and four, so you know we were going to start in the fall of two thousand and four, obviously, and uh, you know he he just kind of said it so casually, almost you know, unbelievably that I didn't really believe him. I thought he was joking around and, you know, then he, he proceeds to tell me that, Hey, you know, we want you to be the, uh, you know, the GM of the, you know, president of the team. And because I thought he was playing around with me, I kind of played around with him back and I said, yeah, sure, dad, no problem. I'll do it. And, uh, lo and behold, that was our, <laughs> that was our binding agreement, you know, what, what I thought was, you know, a joke. And, uh, I found out very quickly. It, it definitely, was, it definitely wasn't a joke. Yeah. It, it, it certainly wasn't what I, um, the interesting part, uh, there's so many interesting parts to this documentary. It's called Un, untold crime and penalties. It's a story that Danbury trashers it's on Netflix as, as barstool sports, in their in their articles uh, stated, their headline was the Danbury Trashers are the hottest hockey team on the planet right now, and they haven't played in 15 years. And you know, I, I you know we've said on the show so many times, uh, you know, it, it's professional sports, but it's also in the entertainment business, right? And when they forget that you're in the entertainment business. Uh, maybe, maybe the Danbury Trashers and Slapshot's a little bit over the top, and obviously not what the NHL wants to portray hockey. But I think yeah. you guys understood. You understood Vince McMahon what he tries to do. He tries to create characters. You had an unbelievable amount of characters on this team. You had Wingfield, Brad Wingfield, who's and these guys. You know, they're all and and. The most fascinating character is the equipment manager, uh, Tom Marcello, yeah. T-Bone, for lack as his nickname. He sits in front of the camera now on the Netflix with his cigar. I don't know if he's acting. He's got that little sly grin, but he, uh, uh, you know, he almost, steal, I don't say he steals the show from you, Anthony, but he's, he's just an incredible character. Is he, and oh, then you yeah. have the, the Nigerian nightmare. Uh, I can't even remember his name, uh, but Pompasello, people, uh, when you're watching the documentary, it almost seems like he's having, he's having a, a riot repeating this. Is he acting? What's, I mean, he's just the most amazing character in this thing. No, I mean, listen, I, I've known him now, geez, uh, over 25 years and that's him, which is, it's funny to think, you know, cause so many people have asked me you know, Hey, AJ, this is a great documentary, but you know, how embellished was it? You know? And I, and I told them, listen, it's such a crazy story. You would think that it was embellished, but it was about 98% accurate. I mean, Tommy, you know, T-Bone, um, that's him. You know, I spoke with him yesterday. We were talking about something unrelated and, you know, that's just who he is. And, um, you know, all of us on there, that's just genuinely authentically, you know, who, who we are and who we were. And, um, you know, the story, like you said, it's just so unbelievable that people just assume that it's a bit of a put on, but it was so real. I thought the documentary, the producers, the way brothers, they did an amazing job and they really captured the authenticity of it. And uh, that's as crazy as it sounds. That's really how it was back then. Nas? In the documentary, it shows how you uh, developed the team or set up the team. It was a uh, cross-section of uh, the WWF and Mighty Ducks. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. You know, uh, listen, you know, they, 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 you know, the Mighty Ducks was really my introduction to hockey back in the early 90s because where, where I'm from, you know, at the time especially, we, you know, we're not a hockey hotbed over here. So, you know, when I saw the movie The Mighty Ducks just, you know, one weekend with, with my family, you know, I just – I don't know what it was about the movie. I, I kind of got interested in hockey and, you know, you start, you know, like, you know, over here you start playing street hockey, then you elevate yourself to the ice, but no, definitely, you know, pro wrestling was and is, you know, one of my, my loves in life. And, uh, you know, back then it was really my first love even before hockey. So, you know, when we developed this team, you know, kind of, kind of what you said earlier, um, you know, the entertainment factor. So, 
you know, we're definitely not the NHL and we, we're not even the AHL. So we're right below the AHL technically. So, you know, we, we, we had some very serious uh, hockey players in this league. But at the same time, you know, we knew, especially over here, we, we had to add an entertainment, you know, value to this for people to come. And, you know, eventually when you draw them in, you know, the, the dirty little secret about our team was that we were actually a good team. So, you know, people by default were going to be able to watch and learn, you know, good hockey. But it was just, you know, especially in our demographic over here, it was just about drawing them in originally. And, um, you know, we kind of, we crafted the team almost, if if you can envision, you know, a pro wrestler, like one of the bad guys, a heel. And that's what we developed. You know, that was the image for our franchise to, to begin with. And it definitely caught a lot of eyeballs. It, it definitely, there was a mystique to it. And uh, people were just drawn, you know, whether you wanted to see us win or you wanted to see us lose, um, you still wanted to see us one way or the other. So we really... um we developed something special there, and uh, people people were just instantly, you know, gravitating towards it. Yeah, you, you certainly, uh, you certainly did. You know, the part of it is you, and it's good that you mentioned it. Is you had a good hockey team in in the context of your league. I believe one sure. year you went to the final game of the of the finals. I think you lost to Kalamazoo, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. I may have that wrong. And then you went deep in the playoffs the other year. And uh, what I, I remember one part of the one part of the documentary, uh, which I which I had a big chuckle about when you were when you were about to sign when you were about to announce the Gretzky sign. And I think you played I think you played a little bit cute. You know, the, the, the word got out <laughs> that you were going to sign Gretzky. And it's like people are shaking their heads. And then, of course, of course, the, the Gretzky that walked in wasn't Wayne; it was Brent. So, so tell oh, us yeah. that story. Well, listen, you know, like I said, you know, for our pr- first press conference, you know, we're going to announce, you know, our first signing, and uh, you know, we 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 kind of leaked it out that Gretzky was going to be in the building, and and you know, <laughs> listen. We 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 didn't necessarily lie about it, but you know we definitely you know we we might have forgotten to add the first name, but we we definitely put it out there that Gretzky would be there, and uh, hey, listen, Gretzky was there, so you know we, we accomplished what we needed to. It certainly did, Ned. The strike in the NHL in two thousand four, two thousand five. You signed Mike Rupp, who was two years removed from winning a Stanley Cup. How was your reaction to the people in Danbury with Mike Rupp? Well, you know, it, it was it was awesome. You know, obviously at the time, Mike was, you know, a, a modest player in the league, you know, after the Trashers and when, you know, the NHL went back into operations, he, he ended up having a, a really successful career for the most part. But, you know, at the time, he was still a young player. Um, you know, he was he was active with my favorite team, you know, the New Jersey Devils. So, you know, to bring him in, you know, look, you know, when, when the lockout happened, you know, look, my job – you know, my job was to put the best team available, you know, find the best players available. And, you know, this, there was a whole new talent pool, basically, from these NHLers that, you know, had no league to play in. So, you know, there was a trickle-down effect. You know, you had some NHL players that were willing to play in a league like ours. Then you had maybe some higher-end NHL players that ended up playing in the, you know, American League. And then you, by default, had some American League players trickle down to, like, our league. So, you know, look, when the opportunity was there for someone like Mike Rupp, you know, he had a big body. He could score. Um, you know, he didn't really have to be physical on our team, but, you know, he, he definitely threw his body around. Um, he was, a, he was a, a perfect, perfect, perfect trasher for us. Well, we're talking to Anthony A.J. Galante, who's, uh, and the story is about the Danbury Trashers. And I, 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 I want to repeat carefully, not Thrashers like the Atlanta Thrashers, Trashers <laughs> without the H. And the reason for that is, Anthony, your, your family was in the waste management business. And uh, somebody came up, I call, I call it one of the top five logos of any hockey sweater I've ever seen. It's a, it's a garbage can and it's a mean looking <laughs> garbage can on that logo. It's just, and it's become it, it, now that the story has resurfaced, the Jersey is selling like crazy and uh, yeah. it's, it's all over the world. Uh, hopefully you're making a few bucks off of it. And, <laughs> and tell us that you tell us you got a call from one of the world's leading celebrities, Drake, 
the most popular recording artist in the world right now, says he called you and says, I need one of those jerseys. Yeah, that was super. I mean, that's when I knew that things were going to get crazy again with this team because, um, you know, the documentary aired, I, I think it was Tuesday, August 31st. And the ne- the very next day, you know, don't ask me how, but one thing left, one thing led to another and I'm on the phone with Drake, which was super random. And, um, you know, such a, such a nice guy, humble guy. He, you know, he said he watched the documentary, which was, you know, really humbling to me. And, uh, like I said, just a great guy. And, and, you know, he said, you know, Hey, listen, I, I'd love to get a Jersey, you know, and I don't have them just laying around, you know? So I was just like, damn, how am I going to get this guy a, a Jersey? And, um, you know, I remembered that basically, um, you know, I, I had a Jersey made, you know, the first season for me, even though I didn't play, you know, it was kind of like the trash or prototype Jersey, uh, you know, framed in my office. So I ended up breaking the frame and, and getting it out to him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he po- you know, he posted about it on Instagram. And, and ever since then, it's just been a, a whirlwind. And, uh, you know, like you said, just it, it's so unbelievable to me, you know, a decade, a decade and a half later that, that people, the demand for this jersey or T-shirts or any sort of merchandise hats, it, it's, it's unbelievable. It's 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 quite a quite an impressive trash can. I got to tell you that. <laughs> uh, we got to talk after the show. I got to get me one of these Danbury Trasher jerseys somehow. Uh, Naz, I'll turn <laughs> it back to you. Hey Jay, the WWF did some promotions with you. Who who, who came down to Danbury for those promotions? Well, you know, when we were playing, um, we actually had John Cena, who actually at the time was, um, I believe he was, he wasn't a world champion yet, but he was like the U.S. champion or whatever. And uh, he came down to a game and, uh, you know, which was super surreal again, because, you know, he was, he was really becoming, you know, the top guy in, 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 you know, in that organization. And, uh, you know, he came down and, you know, signed autographs, did pictures. He did like some on ice promotion stuff. Um, you know, great, just a, just a great guy. And, you know, we always, we always seem to cross, you know, paths with, with pro wrestling, you know, for so many different reasons. But, you know, a lot of the wrestlers, they saw what we were doing and, and they kind of, they knew I was a fan and they knew that, um, you know, I, I modeled the team, you know, like I said, you know, I, I took a lot of ideas I used to learn from just simply watching professional wrestling and kind of putting it into this team. Uh, we're talking to AJ going to AJ, the story, um, it's obviously about the Danbury trashers and all the, uh, all the escapades on the ice, but this is, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's other themes that run through this documentary. And, and one of the other themes is the relationship between a father and his son. Now we know, you know, the, 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 and I know that you've been quoted, and I think your father's been quoted that the that the documentary is accurate and it's fair uh, yes. for the for the largest like ninety eight ninety nine percent. And uh, your dad had did have some legal problems, and we don't necessarily need to get into that this morning. But uh, the relationship with your dad, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you 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 know, it's it's an Italian family. Uh, Naz and I understand that, you know, your dad's the patriarch. Uh, how's your dad doing, and how are you doing with your dad? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, everything's everything's been great. You know, thank God. I mean, you know, he kind of feels the same way I do do with this whole thing. It's just so surreal that, you know, after all this time, you know, this this team is kind of resurrected in a way and, and it's not like we're playing a game anytime soon you know what i mean so it's 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 super funny for us to to just see just how how much people really enjoy the story and um you know i'm happy for him too because you know obviously you know this was his vision ultimately and um you know you know the, the our team just you know the franchise came to such an abrupt end you know after two quick seasons basically um you know, it, we, we never really got to put a story out about it or, you know, simply have a simple goodbye. You know, it just ended so abruptly that, you know, it's, it's, it really brings me a lot of joy to see how well received this documentary and team, you know, is, you know, in 2021, 
it makes me happy to see it because, you know, my dad definitely deserves a lot of the accolades because, um, you know, like I said, I mean, it was his vision and he took a, a major chance with it just all around. So it's good to see him definitely get a, a lot of the recognition for, for what, you know, he built. And as we got a couple of minutes left, I'll turn it back to you. The commissioner that was in the documentary, I found him being a little bit of a weasel myself. <laughs> what was he like as a person? <laughs> What's that? I lost you there, Dan. I'm sorry. What was he like as a person? Oh, you know, he, I got to tell you, Mr. Brissell was great. You know, I mean, he, he uh, we, we had this great banter, me and him. It was kind of like, you know, uh, like a high school principal and a, and a little crazy kid. And we, we'd always have our run-ins and, uh, but I, honestly, no matter what the documentary might portray, you know, I always had great respect for him and, uh, you know, I knew he had a job to do. I think deep down he liked it, but he obviously, you know, especially at the time he couldn't publicly, you know, uh, <laughs> He couldn't publicly, you know, co-sign a lot of the stuff we were doing. But I think as as time went on, he kind of understood what we were doing. And, uh, you know, we, we brought a lot of attention to the league. And, and sometimes even negative attention could be positive attention, if it, depending on what you do with it. So, you know, it was one of those situations where I, I think deep down he, he, he kind of enjoyed it. I think he enjoyed the banter with us and you know, the back and forth, like a tennis match almost. And, um, but overall he, he was a great guy, but you know, I knew he looked, he had a job to do and he had to look over the well being of the league and, you know, all the teams in the league. And, uh, you know, we definitely caused him a, a lot of grief and, and headaches over the years. We're talking AJ gone. AJ, I wish we had more time. We're down to the like, last 45 seconds. And I know the NHL and Gary Bettman probably hated what you were doing. I know that they sent you a cease and desist letter. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have time to get into that. I wish we did. Uh, and I do want to know, uh, let our listeners know what you're up to today to finish off this interview. You are now a boxing fight promoter. And I think it was last year or the year before, correct me if I'm wrong, you uh, you had the ESPN fight of the year. So tell us tell us in the last thirty seconds what you're up to these days, AJ. Yeah, I'm I'm still in Danbury, Connecticut. I own a boxing gym called Champs Boxing Club, uh, literally two minutes from the ice arena. So I pass it every day, and uh, you know it's it, it was important to me that we were in the same vicinity of the ice arena because you know it brings back a lot of great memories and you know it gives me a lot of energy. You know it, you know a lot of nostalgia, but yeah, I work with a lot of pro boxers, amateur boxers, and, um, you know, just try to help guide their careers and, and put them in a position to be successful. The documentary is Untold Crime and Penalties. It's the story of the Danbury Trashers. Not Thrashers, Trashers. I highly recommend it. It's thoroughly entertaining. We've been privileged to have with us this morning Anthony A.J. Galanti. Anthony, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate this time. No, thank you, guys. I appreciate the opportunity, and, and thank you for the support. Thank you so much, Anthony Galante. Nez, we've got to get off the air really quickly. Bills, Texans, who wins today? Nez? Yes. Bills, Texans, who wins today? Bills by 25. We'll leave it on that note. To all our listeners, thanks so much for listening. Have a fantastic and safe week. We appreciate you listening in. Thank you. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.